Anime Pulse, episode 637. Slightly delayed episode of Anime Pulse. I am your host, Joseph, joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Andrew. Hello. And we are back to bring you another round of previews for the 2020 winter season with uh, more IRL news and industry news. Uh, so why don't we get started straight into some IRL news? Alright then, well it's been two weeks worth of time, surely something interesting has happened within then? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, let's see here. I went to the dentist over the mm. uh, past week, and uh, they cleaned my teeth, they took full x-rays, um, which was pretty cool because they took not only the normal like wing bite things, where they have you like bite down on the the oh, uh, yeah. little targeter yeah. and they take it like a shot of it but they also took like uh -huh. the full rotation thing where the machine goes around your head um because the mm -hmm. dentist was like oh your back tooth hurts well let's take a look at the the full spectrum and i was like oh you don't have one we'll have to take one of those and i was like well i mean you guys already took one x-ray that's going to cost me more money if you do it too and she's like eh, it's on the house so they threw mm -hmm. that on the house and i had uh Free x-rays done. <clears throat> they made the wing bites free, but the full mouth thing was, uh, forget what they call that, whatever it was. Um, but um, mm -hmm. the whole spectrum of my mouth basically revealed that my mouth is tiny and I have too many teeth. So that's why my uh, wisdom tooth is uh, pushing up against, it's not pushing up against my other teeth, it's pushing up against my jawbone. Which is why it uh, hurts so much. Um, but it's like a dull, numbish pain. Kind of like what happens, like, let's say you hit your shin against something. Hurts immediately, right? Um, right. But then, like, the next day, it's not, it doesn't really hurt that much, but you can still feel it throbbing. And it also is, mm -hmm. like, a bit sore, and you can see it's bruised. That's the pain I right. am feeling, basically, um, around this time. It happens last uh -huh. year. It happened three times in the last year. And it really just occurs when I'm not careful about how I'm chewing with stuff on that side of my mouth. And either, either something gets stuck under the gum that's like lapping over the tooth. Or like I bite down on something really hard and it messes up the... It shifts the tooth ever so slightly. Mm. So that's the problem. Now I uh, solve it with my own... Um, medical procedure uh, in the form uh -huh. of uh, ibuprofen, drinking, and uh, getting rid of the, like, there's a little <laughs> nub of skin that comes off of your gum and hangs over the top of the wisdom tooth sometimes. There's a name for it. I can't remember what it's called. I cut the thing off. Uh. Every single time it shows up, oh. I just take a pair of uh, nail clippers to the back of it and snip, comes right off. 
It hurts like Ooh. a motherfucker and bleeds. It sounds like it would. For a oh, while. Yeah, like, sounds... There's a lot of blood. But after it's done and it's healed up and everything's fine again, it's all good. Now, if I told hmm. a dentist I did that, they'd probably fucking hang me. They'd, they'd arrest me on the spot with their dentist badge. They'd be like, you're sticking metal mm. in your mouth and you're cutting off pieces of your own gum. You're under arrest yeah. sir, for self-mutilation. It would certainly affect insurance, <laughs> I believe. But I would, Maybe. Um, mm. But uh, right now it doesn't hurt that much. Probably because I've been drinking. And maybe because I that took my pain a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yes, I do clean everything, Mariner Bert, ahead of time. <laughs> I wash everything down. I clean it up with alcohol. I wipe it down afterwards as well. And I also do like a quick, I brush my teeth back there and I gargle with a lot of antiseptic. So no uh-huh. infections. Uh, but on the positive side of things, so uh, Fake Grand Order came out with a new singularity for the northeastern half of uh-huh. our peoples. And it was the climb the tower of 100 floors to reach the top for Oni business. And uh, I beat all 100 floors, which when it first comes out, when like a singularity first comes out and it's not the light version, it's actually kind of difficult. Especially, I'd say, for North American people, just because we're not that heavily invested. But I made it to the top. I got all the little rewards. There are more floors you can uh, climb and uh, inspect and whatnot. But I'm saving up now for uh, tomorrow when the Valentine's event starts up. So, that'll be fun. However, as a reward to myself for clearing the 100th floor, I decided to do a few golden ticket summons and a single 30 Saints Court summon. Now, the tickets were mostly meh. I got a bunch of silver garbage and I think maybe one or two gold crafting essences. However, my 30 Saints Courts pull saw quite an exciting uh, event happen. So not only did I get two five-star... Um, actually, three five-star crafting essences. I got the one that makes your character invincible for three, uh, three hits. Um, I got the buster up by 25%, uh, one of those, so I can increase the effectiveness again. Um, Room Guard, I forget what that one is about, but uh, the title of that one's Room Guard. But the more uh-huh. important thing here is I got two characters. The first of the two was a uh, increase in the noble phantasm for um, my archer character, which I'm having trouble remembering her name right now. Um, bollocks. Anyway, she's the Oni archer. Tomoe. Thank you, Shield Bro. Tomoe. So Tomoe, and I just I just really enjoy her character. Um, this whole. 100th floor climb thing was actually a lot about discovering what kind of character she is and how she is either an oni or she a human but uh, when it comes down to it like the master uh i am i was like well tomoe is tomoe when i summoned her i knew that and you know she was like yeah yeah i'm me i'm me so you know it's nice i like that she's a very vanilla mm-hmm. archer i like <clears throat> that um all right but 
on the other thing, I saw myself get a Gold Star Berserker. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to get another, uh, another Noble Phantasm level for my uh, Ibaraki. No, no. Mama came home, folks. I got, um, I forget how you say her name. Mimotomo mm-hmm. something no Raikou or something like that. It's really long. Uh, Shield Bro's probably going to post yeah. it in a second here. Yeah, probably. He's uh, uh, Mina Moto no Raiko or Raiko, yeah. yeah. So she's she's a bit of a loopy one. So she's a uh, mm-hmm. she's a berserker. But when you first summon her, she's like saber. No wait, not a saber. Oh, well. In any case, I'm here. Mommy's home. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. She's actually one of uh, three characters in the Fate Grand Order series that is known to be very uh, mm-hmm. possessive of Master. So ah. uh, whatever Master you play, she's very possessive of you. Along with, um, along with the other Berserker. Uh, shoot, uh, why can't I remember their names right now? They're blanking. Anyways, another berserker and uh, an assassin. They're like the trifecta of like obsessing over you. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Which I find pretty pretty cool that like Fake Grand Order has its own uh, canon for characters that will obsess over the master. So I finally got her, and she's my first five-star berserker, so I'm pretty excited about that. I'll have to take time leveling her up to make her noteworthy but she's definitely a positive because she's the only berserker in my repertoire um well except uh-huh. like the cat berserker but um she actually is like really i don't find her like that great because her noble phantasm actually makes her paralyzed after that but for ah it's got a drawback yeah mm-hmm. Mina, uh, minamoto she can multi-hit all the targets and as a berserker that is very important because she can basically wipe a uh, a level of enemies if she gets off her noble phantasm. So the only thing I don't like about her is that her ascensions kind of look a little like her final ascension, especially looks really fucking <clears throat> dumb. Like it gives her like these oh. weird things in her hair, and uh. like after they take the cloth off the top of her tits, because, like, she has this, like, tapestry that hangs over her boobs, it just looks like two torpedoes shooting out of her chest. And it's like... What was the artist thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. So, I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, there she is. Um, That is... That's her her swimsuit version. (coughs) They Uh are rather... Large, and I have her swimsuit version, which is cool. But now I have her normal wow. berserker version because her swimsuit version is actually a. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a. Uh, is it an archer or no? A lancer. She's a lancer. Right. Which is amusing because she doesn't use a lance as a uh, a lancer. She uses a yo-yo. Ah. It's one of those kind of jokey weapons. Yeah. So, in any case, uh, that is my excitement, was uh, all that. Uh, The only other thing I have to say is that I've been trying to get into... I beat XCOM 2, and so I started up... Oh, nice, congrats. Thank you. I started up my playthrough for 
Darkest Dungeon, fuck that game. <coughs> that game can go oh. fuck itself. Holy and fucking it's supposed shit. To be really punishing. It is so yeah. punishing. I'm playing on the easiest difficulty with mods installed that you're supposed to get like these really cool characters and shit, and it's still fucking bending me over <laughs> and having its way with me. It's fucking not cool. It's like it tricked uh-huh. me because the first two dungeons I, or the first two like dungeon runs I did, I was like, oh okay, this isn't too bad. I like this, and then it just was like, open up, bitch. Time for a fucking mouth fuck. And I was like, well, that's not cool. And then it just kept mm. doing it over and over and over again. I was like, well, this is just making me angry and frustrating. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to continue Darkest Dungeon. I want to continue it because I love the art style and the story seems uh-huh. kind of cool. But fuck me, that gameplay is difficult <sighs> as dicks. Like, I'm the kind of guy oh, yeah. that's just like mage, um, healer, rogue, swordsman, <laughs> go. I don't think really about stats when it comes down to it. I'm just like, swordsman should have defense and attack. Rogue should have attack and dexterity. Uh, The Mm -hmm. mage should have magic. And the healer should have magic. And that's about Mm -hmm. it. But in this one, it's more like, no, no, no. You need to synergize your characters. You need to make sure that every single character works well with the other characters. And that you're constantly screwing over the enemies more than they're screwing over you. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm hesitant to go and continue that game. The problem is, I don't know what other game to play right now. <sighs> um, you'll find to, something, I'm sure. I'd love to, yeah, find something, but I just don't know what. Plus, I have like a backlog of a thousand anime that is banging on my door, so I really need to get through that. Probably you must get yeah. Probably should get to that then. Yeah, in that case, yeah, I should probably get to that. Yep. No point in putting it off. Once you start, starting's the hardest part though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how about you? How's uh, how the uh, family visit go? Yeah, it went really well. You know, catching up with them all, and um, you know, uh, some some old faces, some young faces, and stuff, and um. You know, going after, it was a very short, brief weekend visit, but, you know, we made the time count, and, um, yeah, over, overall it was quite good. We just went for a nice big meal, and that was about it. Um, but then since then, I've been, uh, I've, I've been having a great week since coming back, as you could, uh, apologies in advance to anybody who's listening to this, maybe post or live at the moment, I'm, I'm not in the best of health at the moment. I'm down with some sort of sickness, <laughs> um, some sort of cold or flu, but it has resulted in a sore throat, so... Uh, apologies if I sound very raspy during this episode. Um, in terms of gaming, though, because um, we were talking about uh, on the subject of that, they did release uh, some new Smash Brothers characters, or, well, they released a new character, and then one of them's like, kind of a, a skin for a mm-hmm. fighter. But <laughs> the Fire Emblem series has a has a new entry called Byleth, who comes Another in a male and female Fire form. Emblem character? Come on Nintendo. Oh my god. That was that was the internet's reaction by and large. Yeah, a lot of people were not happy with this announcement. Like the like to dislike dislike ratio was pretty um apparent on that. <clears throat> and also I was watching the announcement live. There were so many negative comments, you know, coming out like, "Oh, where's Crash? I was promised Dante from Devil May Cry and all that sort of stuff, you know." Lost salt. <laughs> but um that character is now now out and you know, I've tried them out. And 
you know, they're actually quite good gameplay-wise. I don't have too many complaints. It's a very, like, at least Spyleth doesn't play, like, too much like the other Fire Emblem characters. And if this was from another series, like, people wouldn't have as much complaints. But I can understand the frustration of just being so many Fire Emblem characters in one game when, like, four of them play very similarly. Um, I've also beat the main story of Legends of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Nice. Congratulations. So that was pretty good. Thanks. After I take the playtime, I'm just past the 140 hours playtime mark. So damn, there's a lot of buying. There's a lot of buying for your buck if you want to actually. Did you find all the kukokoris or whatever they're called? <clears throat> well, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I've got well, <laughs> uh, there because because there there's 900 of those in this game, you know. And I've 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 scavenged a good amount of the map, and I found 250 ish. <clears throat> so I found a good amount. I just I'm not gonna go for the full nine hundred, but I have uh I have uh went to and unlocked every every shrine. So all 120 shrines. So that's that's pretty nice. cool. Uh, when you do that, you get access to uh, links like a uh, famous green tunic. You have to actually do the 120 shrines if you want to get that. And I, just I heard the main story you can unlock me. a motorcycle in the game with like one of the DLCs that came out for it. Yeah, that is a DLC. I don't have it at the moment. I think it might be it might be one of the amiibo-based ones. I actually am not entirely sure how you get the Master Cycle, but I, <coughs> I will look into that. Master as well as there's a way of getting like Link's usual like red horse Epona as well. It's paid DLC. I have I have bought the initial like two pack uh, expansions DLC, so I've managed to get like the extra Master Sword quest as well as the Ballad of the Heroes story. So I'm, I'm now in the middle of the DLC thing. And I've actually managed to get most of them. I've just got one main quest left, which is the main story expansion. So I don't know how long that's going to take. Oh, oh, okay, right. So, so I'm going to get the motorcycle from the end of the quest I'm doing now, according to Shield Bro. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, it's, I can see the game. The My playtime on this is now reaching its conclusion. Overall, uh, a good a good first attempt at making an open world game from Nintendo, I'd say, overall. Does have its problems, but this isn't video game pulse, so I won't go too far into it. But it was good, <laughs> especially since I'm dying slowly here. Um, okay, so I guess we'll just go into community stuff, so I can hold out <laughs> long enough. We have no wait. We do have free comments. We have free comments on the main website. Yes, by Yotaru Vegeta, who says this is on episode six hundred and thirty-five. He says, "Cloudflare sounds like a Shonen Ultimate attack." It's at the in- I think that's the internet provider or the website provider, right? Um, or it sounds says, like what happens to Cloud after he ascends by combining with Sephiroth? Cloud Flare! <clears throat> yeah, it does sound like a special attack of some sort. And then he's got a suggestion. He says, for the hybrid review segment, I think I can suggest an audio drop that is a lot less disturbing and sad than the hybrid creature from <laughs> FMA. What a... <laughs> Oh shit, I'm dying. What about the clip from Parasite? Maybe from the point where Shinichi is being told by Migi what's happening to his arm. I feel like there's a dub for Parasite, right? Yeah, but if we went for the dub, we wouldn't get the Hirano Aya performance. What's it, Aya? Aya? Whatever it is. For um, Migi. I'm not sure which clip you're talking about, but I could look this up. Um, Not sure how much better it is than the fusion dance, but you know, I'll look into it. Uh, then he says, I looked at the first episode of Parasite, and I think it will be hard to pin down a good clip. Oh, <laughs> he, he did the work for me. 
But there is an interesting clip in the 18th minute of the episode about hosts. I just <clears> found it funny. So, there you go. Thanks, Yotaru. He also provides further clarification on, like, a, a previous comment he made about, um, he said about hentai anime, where he was talking about TV-style hentai. He says, when I commented on TV-style hentai for episode 635, I meant actual hentai that are in episodic format. For the last three years, I'd say, there have been short-format hentai, about five minutes or so. This season, there was Overflow, where siblings step-siblings bang each other. So that's some clarification nice. of the previous comment, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <they> could... um, <laughs> just killing me already again. Okay, then that makes us on nicely to the forum topic. There's an update on last week's one... Oh, not last week, two weeks ago is now because we took a break. On anime from 20... winter 2019-2020 that people are checking out. So... Here are some of the updates. We have um, Yotaru Vegeta again, who comes in with, I'll just list the ones I think I'll watch all the way through. I'm checking out Bofuri, girl who plays VR MMO and puts all her points into defense. Orphan, keep your hands off Izoken, three girls who plot uh, plot to make an anime. ID Invaded, a virtual detective used to solve a real-world mystery. Inspector, a disabled girl who has the ability to see the supernatural. I previewed that one last time. Hmm. The new Madoka's spin-off. And also Science, Fell in Love, and Darwin's Game. Of those, Darwin's Game has the highest chance to disappoint. But it's already better than King's Game. That's not difficult at all. So it has something going for it. Well, I mean, if we're going by the standard of it has to be better than King's Game, a lot of anime would have something going for it, right? Um, I dropped Asteroid in Love and Oda Cinema Nobunaga because there's nothing there for me. I'm also threatening to drop Plunderer for so many reasons. Why is it called Plunderer? Why is it so rapey? Why is the lady lady's boobs sticking out of her shirt <laughs> in such a ridiculous way? It may be the worst of the season, but there are still a handful of anime I haven't watched yet. Believe me, pl- believe... Yotaro Vegeta, it's a hard-fought battle, but I can tell you there are anime this season that are worse than Plunderer. Just saying. But you don't have to check those out. Just, uh, we watch them so you don't have to. Tywell then comes in with Science Fell in Love, Inspector, Animal School Anime, which I think is Muranasi set on Gakuen, and Bofuri. Oh, Yotaro Vegeta also adds in Pet, which is a fascinating supernatural drama on Amazon Prime. I'll also take this moment to note that the Amazon app still sucks for anime. It really does. And that's it. That's it. That moves us on to this week's uh, show topic of the week, which was submitted by um, listener Shieldbro, which is your top underrated anime of the 2010s. I mean, we talked about your best and your worst anime, but how about ones that you feel don't get the spotlight that they deserve? So... Uh, with our first submission on the forums here, we lead us off with Shield Bro himself, the f- submitter, who says, The first anime that I have is Mayo Mao Yusha. It's about a hero and a demon lord who teams up together to bring peace and prosperity for both human and demon world. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think I've seen that one. That's the one with a lot of plot, I believe. Plot Tons in of both plot. senses of the word. Yes. Um, <laughs> the second anime, and the most <clears throat> favourite, is... My most favourite is Real Life. I suspect that the only reason that this anime is not as popular as it should be is because the whole series was released in one day. Oh, wow, really? Instead of being spread out through the season. Also, the fact that it wraps up in its OVAs. 
The anime is about a neat who joins a program to rehabilitate himself by becoming younger and going back to high school. Also, Hishiro is super cute. It's a gift of a girl with twin tails. And just a reminder to everybody that today is the 2nd of the 2nd of the 2020, which is actually the National Twin Tails Day. So, yay, twin tail characters, I suppose. Um, next up, we have Rampant AI, who says, I can name a number of underrated anime, but I will mention those that first come to mind. First up is Log Horizon, 2013 to 2014. Was an early <laughs> isekai that was overshadowed by SAO. <clears throat> the first season was outstanding, but the second season did seem to falter, but was still very good. And next up, he says, Greco Bredo, or Brickblade, slash Broken Blade, 2014, was a very inter... I think he meant to say interesting. Take on Mecha Anime. It is too bad it never got a second season, because the manga on which it's based on is still going very well. So there you go. And I know you're a bit of a mecha aficionado rampant, so I know I can take your word for it. Um, and then there was Aoki Hagane no Arpe- Arpeggio, Ars Nova, or Arpeggio of Blue Steel, 2013, ah, which predated so the infamous Can Cole series that ripped it off. Too bad it, uh, it too never got another season. So I guess it's Ship Girls, I suppose? It is Ship Girls, yeah. and it's like... <laughs> uh, I can mm-hmm. still remember that like, one of my favorite moments is like... Um, <clears throat> one of like the uh, the main ship girls, which is a submarine, and like her mm. captain is on her, and like all the other characters have left the ship because they're trying to escape, and it's just her and the captain. But then like the captain starts dying, and he's like inside the ship, so she's trying to like mm-hmm. she's like looking around in a panic, like trying to like you know figure out what to do because she can't really save him, and. Uh, just that, like, uh-huh. that uh, panic was, it felt so real for her character. It was good. Huh. Hmm. So you, you've actually checked this one out. You've oh, yeah, out I watched before. the whole thing yeah. for the, the first oh, yeah. season, which I definitely like, and I would definitely approve of a second season for that. Hmm. Well, you know, never never give up hope, I suppose, especially since there seems to still be a market out there for ship girls for some reason, so, yeah. There, <laughs> there will always be a market for ship girls. As long as there are captains, we'll have ship mm. girls. Mm. Okay, well, there we go. Um, and then he's, Rampant says, I see a pattern here. Underrated anime often fail to get a subsequent season to complete their stories properly. So, that's that's fairly accurate. Um, and then there's some responses now on the Discord server with us. That's uh, the new hotspot. Guys, pile into the forums and get your sign up so we can get you into the Discord if you haven't been added already. Sort of plug. And Pumeria comes in with, I would say Planetarian com- comes to mind. It's well-rated, but I don't hear much talk about it, which would lend it towards being an underrated in my opinion. The series is very well made visually and has good stories but does not, to my knowledge, get a lot of attention. Yeah, Planetarian is one of the ones I've heard of. Uh, anybody I know who's watched it says it's great, but mm-hmm. not many people tend to have watched it, so I can understand that. It's also it's <clears> one <throat> of those animes that you know it's sad, so when you know it's uh-huh. sad, it's like Clanad or Kanan. It's just like, oh, if I want to watch this, I better be ready to cry. Mm-hmm. Or like Anohana as well. 
That's another exactly. One so it's like you better have some tissues ready, boy. And I don't mean it for that way. I mean it because you're mm-hmm. gonna be blowing your nose and bawling your eyes out because this thing's gonna make you cry. Right. Yeah, and actually the next comment is on the same show actually because Sigwin also comes in with I would say the same for Planetarian on my end, but also Restaurant to Another World being another. I rather enjoyed both series and see Restaurant to Another World as being fairly underrated thanks to Food Wars drawing most of the attention from food-related anime. Um, okay, good enough. And then Tywell, uh, 20, Tywell 20 says, Girls in Panzer, SAO, and Red Unit 10. Uh, wait, is Red Unit 10 an actual anime? I thought Isn't that was that, just your username. That was my old username. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, wait, what? Is that, that's not actually an anime, was it? I was actually an anime, you know. Uh, just you uh, were. Oh, I didn't tell really? didn't tell many people this, but I was actually an anime <laughs> in my previous life. Um, been reincarnated, which had to have been the last I got, decade. I got run over by Truckoon as an anime, uh-huh. and I reincarnated oh. as a human. <laughs> Kill story. I uh, this pr- probably would be good enough to sell as a light novel, to be honest. They've see, they've made they've made them with um, stranger <clears throat> concepts. Uh, yeah, I'm copyright, enough. copyright Japan. I'm copywriting that. Uh, <laughs> now that's let's my, use it. My yeah. anime, Red Unit Ten, getting run over by Truckoon mm. and being reincarnated from an anime to a human. I'm copyright. You can't have no steal. Okay. No stealing. Hands off. Um, and then lastly, we also have Marina Burt who says Planet With, original work from mangaka Satoshi Mizutani. It has some of the best writing in the series with great character arcs and several twists that was unexpected. You can watch it on Crunchyroll. So there you go. There's a little, little plug there at the end too as well. So I've heard this one being mentioned multiple times. It's in my to watch list as well. So there you go. And I believe that takes it from the community and back to the host now. So go ahead and mention some of your underrated anime, Joseph. Alright, so starting us off with an anime that most people don't even really remember. Horizon in the Middle of Nowhere. This was a confusing anime where it starts out and it feels like the anime starts out missing like maybe three episodes of the anime. Because it has characters that are just being like, oh, that's that character. You know, you know that character. No, I don't know. Who's that character? Uh, don't man, don't mind them. But this character, you remember them, right? Even though this is the first time they're introducing them to you? Ah, it's okay. But, uh, oh, that character there. Remember how her mother is like this and that? And also, like, that character's dad is this and... Remember? Oh, right, this is the first episode. <laughs> how could I forget? This was an anime that expected you to have been a light novel reader. Like, par for the core. And... It was still amazing. It had great fight scenes. It had this story that was so confusingly interesting that it was just like, what are they going to do next? I wonder, where is this going to go? Oh, I didn't see that coming. And that's kind of where it leaves you. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. After that, I have one here that I think some people may have heard of, Dog Days. This is I've the heard of this, one. Uh, this is the one where the dude is summoned to another world to participate in uh, 
war game-esque battles where he fights for dogs versus cats and other animals that are anthropomorphized. Um, right. And the war games are... They all result in, like, when you are defeated, like, uh, the animal people turn into, like, blobby versions of themselves. So, like, the dog people turn into, like, a round dog. And the cat people turn into a round cat. There's no real sense of danger in this series. It's kind of just, like, you enjoy it. Now, the first season did have some sense of danger because, like, the main cat girl from her nation had, like, these weird inklings that this demon creature was going to return and kill some people, like, actually kill them. But um, uh-huh. our main hero was like, I'm not going to let that happen, and he saves the day. So it's uh, it's not bad. He's, uh, this, is a, this is a good anime, and I definitely think a lot of people probably don't know about it or don't care about it because it looked pretty generic on the front on like the cover right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then here is my number one most underrated uh. anime for the last decade now this one kind of doesn't count because the first season aired in 2005 however the second season aired in 2014 and that is Mushishi. Oh, yeah. The anime that follows uh, follows Gin, our uh, Mushishi around, who uh, talks, uh, who basically <laughs> deals with uh, deals with the supernatural. And he he's a very subdued character. The anime is very, very slow-paced. It it can drag, but it's a good drag. It's like if I were a smoker, it would be like taking a nice long drag from a hookah. But I'm not a mm-hmm. smoker, so I don't know what that's like. But I've heard it's pretty good, so I imagine that must be what it's like. And go figure, Gin, he's a smoker. Now, he doesn't smoke because he likes smoking. He smokes because the smoke from his cigarette actually makes the other creatures go away. Because he has one of those creatures embedded in his eye. Which makes all the other creatures attracted to him. Right. Because apparently the creature that's in his eye, if I remember correctly, is a very dangerous Mushishi. Um, It hangs out in the dark. And that it can, like, basically destroy life. But if you can trap it in a dark, small place, like your eye socket, then Uh that's where it will stay. And that's where his uh, creature stays. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind oh. of like an exorcist that harnesses the power of them or something. Yeah, I mean, he, he <laughs> uses a lot of different techniques to deal with Mushishi. Um, mm, okay. Or Mushi. But, uh, you know, it's it's good. The animation's mm-hmm. amazing. The, the uh, music is fabulous. And just, like, the stories are, like, they're thoughtful. And there is a lot of good moments to the anime. Be them action-y in, like, the first season or the second season where they're a bit more comedic. Mm. So, if you like stories of supernatural things that are completely different from one, from one another, 
you probably mm-hmm. like Mushishi. Especially if you like things that don't just like rush the ending. Because this takes its time. Yeah, I've, uh, I I did watch one episode a while back and it was like very slow paced. So you have to be in the right mood for it. But I, I am still meaning to finish it. Yeah. Just... Mm-hmm. It was so, good from what I saw. How about, how about <laughs> yourself? What are your underrated anime for the past decade? Uh, well, I've got a few picks here. Uh, let's see. So, first up, I'd probably mention... Um, now, this one's an interesting one, because it's got a decent rating on now, but I think it's still worth mentioning, just because, um... I feel like it gets overshadowed by, you know, some people might be straight to turn it down just because it came out almost too soon after One Punch Man, and it's by the same author. I would say Mob Psycho 100 is a little bit underrated. Not because it's, um, again, 8.5 average on my anime list, so it is liked by whoever watches it. But I have seen people turn it down just simply because, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't watch One Punch Man, I preferred that one. But Mob Psych, and you know, in many ways, it seems like it's going to be similar because Mob is this overpowered Esper in a world that has psychic people and exorcists and such, right? But it's a a much more grounded sort of story about you know what it means to this character and what's real strength is. It's also by Studio Bones, who animate things very well. Um, but it has a very different message than something like One Punch Man, which is you know, One Punch Man is more like a parody of Shonen Jump style um, anime or battle anime in general, or battle manga. Whilst Mob Cycle is more of, like, a, a story about, you know, how, you know, um, one starts to, to you know, what it really means to be strong, responsibility well, because Mob has all the power he has in the world that you could really hope for, but sees more value in actually working hard, like, going to the body improvement club and such, and actually bettering himself physically, despite, you know, not really needing to do any of that, so... It has a bit of a message there in terms of like hard work, which is quite, you know, it's quite nice. And it's still quite different than something like what that One Punch Man delivers. So, and it's still also quite funny as well with some very charming characters. So, yeah, Bob Cycles one. Another one is one I bet not many people here would have watched or even heard of would be Joshi Raku, which I believe is by the same author who could be wrong. It might be by the same author who did Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei actually from its source material or whatever. It's by JC Staff before they started pumping out anime like a factory, but it's from summer 2012. And it's about these five Rakugou storyteller girls who, it's a comedy sort of show, right? So they do like a little bit of Rakugou, but then basically the story revolves around skits and conversations they have. And the show is surprisingly very well written and elaborate with its comedy. It's There's nothing quite like it to describe it, you know? Maybe a little bit like Bakimono, but much more focused on the comedy side of things than being an actual story. Uh, and there's a lot of meta stuff in there that's... It makes, it re- it makes me really impressed at how aware uh, this person is on Western culture as well. Like, some of the jokes that he makes are, like, they reference Western stuff, not just, like, it's not just Japanese embedded humor but a bit of everything in there and it's very elaborately written as well so i think it's quite good it gets the art of like repetition and timing very well done and in a way that's not very not very uh, seen often enough in anime in my opinion so i would say joshi raku is really good if you want a comedy that's a bit different and also still decently well animated so there's that and the next one i would say let's see what will i go with 
Sure, why not? Um, I'm gonna go with the movie, one of the ones I reviewed. I'm pretty biased on this one. Kokoro ga Sake... Oh, fucking hell. Sake Bita Gaterunda, or The Anthem of the Heart, which, um... I really love this film. I watched it, Scotland's anime. It's by <coughs> Studio A1 Pictures, who I don't normally... I'm not normally a big fan of, but, you know, they pulled it They pulled it out of the bag for this one. And the reason I think this one is underrated, honestly, is because we currently live in an environment where, like, if you're not Studio Ghibli or you're not producing films like Your Name or, you know, now more recently Weathering With You, you kind of get overlooked a lot in the film scenes of anime or if you're not attached to a franchise. That's a real shame because stuff like Anthem of the Heart, I think, is actually quite a good school drama slash, like, you know, romance coming of age sort of story. There's a lot of Joshiraku images just being posted that are, um, yeah, lots of costume changes, that's, that's correct. Um, but, you know, Anthem of the Heart gets it. it. It does it quite well. It's a very nice, heartfelt sort of story. It's not the most well-produced one in the world, but it looks clean enough, and it has a decent level of production to it. And, you know, it's a down-to-earth sort of slice-of-life story. I think it's something that could use a little bit more love than it actually gets so there you go that's i'm gonna top it off with something there that's me topping it off with something a little bit more wholesome so there you go and it's, it's accessible it's something you could even show your kids so there you go isn't that trapped in the amazon prime hell i don't know what that is oh it's just maybe they're talking about dot hack oh no anthem of the heart i bought the blu-ray from amazon i don't know about prime but um you probably can access it somewhere through any means necessary. <clears throat> that cough was an intentional one. Anyways, um, yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that does it for my entries for now. Um, and I think that runs us off for this entire segment. So we can probably move on. Alrighty then. I believe that thus brings us to our industry news. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, we've got uh, two each, so I'll get us started to hear first with some disappointing news. Because I know how much people mm. love that. Uh, so, I believe last time I talked about it, Interspecies Reviewers. It's uh, mm-hmm. borderline hentai. Uh, apparently, borderline. Funimation didn't know that. And uh, <laughs> recently, it has been confirmed that... <laughs> Funimation, <clears throat> after careful consideration, we have determined that this series falls outside of our standards. We have the utmost yep. respect for our creators, so rather than substantially alter the content, we felt that taking it down would be the most respectful choice. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no more Funimation streaming of... Uh, heavily censored uh, interspecies reviewers because the NA version was extremely censored. Even characters that were completely clothed that had maybe like titillage popping, you know, like maybe like, uh, you know, like, oh no, her boobs sticking out like a little bit from her shirt. Yeah. But it's not like actually uh-huh. sticking out of her shirt. It's just like the tits poking out because it's hard. They would like yeah. censor that with like adults only. Very obvious right. censorship. Not like blinding white lights. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's gone now. Uh, Funimation has just completely cut ties with interspecies reviewers, which 
amusingly enough, episode four starts out with the anime basically being like, and that's it. The anime's over. We're all done. <laughs> Interspecies reviewers lasted. Goodbye and good night. And now it plays that's in part of the plot that's going on. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do yeah. with how this happened, but it's kind of like uh, par for the course almost for what happened. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, obviously, it's not completely disappeared. I can still get the uncensored versions from Nya, yeah. but a lot of people on Nya have been talking about how like Funimation was their way to obtain it first. So, or obtain like the dialogue or, you know, the, you know, the dubbing or subbing, sorry, mm-hmm. subbing. So people aren't really sure how they're gonna get their hands on this now, at least the subbers. But, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that there are some people out there that, uh, can take a stab at it, that can take up the mantle of... I'm going to sub this myself instead of relying upon Funimation. Good if on there's them. a passionate enough fan base, then sure. Yeah, for which the, I think there is because this is an anime that, for all intents and purposes, should not be as good as it is. And it is fucking fantastic. Mm. The animation is mind-bogglingly good mm-hmm. for what it should be. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, yeah, they've... Uh... You know, this entire thing being, like, just produced here, you know, being released here in the West has been a shit show to begin with anyway, right? Because yeah. remember the original news article I went on about how they initially announced they were going to show it uncensored, then they they broadcast the censored version. Now they have this issue with it being pulled. And by the way, if you didn't know, they also pulled the um the master forum topic for this uh, interspecies review. It's also been deleted from their forums, too. So, not even allowed to talk about it on their forums, apparently. Um, yeah, it's just been final state of existence from them. But, you know, if I'm gonna be honest with you, though, if it, if it meant, you know, if it was an option between Funimation doing their old shenanigans of, like, editing and censoring, or even, like, changing the scripts of the anime entirely that they've done in the past, you know, I'd rather they just didn't show it at all, honestly, than them heavily alter or something. That's just my own sort of take on it. I don't know if you agree. But I'd rather you just didn't touch someone else's artwork if you have no intention of just showing it, you know? Yeah. No? Yeah? Know what I mean? Yeah, I get Because, you know, in the yeah, in the past they've they've you know, I got burned on anime from them that I just was really unsatisfied with when they changed the script and inserted their own sort of for instance when they inserted politics into their stuff. So yeah. I'd rather again if you if you can't take it, just don't bother showing it, you know. So I'm 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 semi relieved they they didn't bother I don't know, I guess interspecies reviewers, there's really nothing they could do to change this because the entire show revolves around its, you know, its core concept. <laughs> so if they're offended by that, there's nothing they could do. So, yeah, I'd rather they just throw in the towel, honestly. But, you know. It just makes me wonder why Funimation even took it in the first place because you think that they look at the source material and they're like, oh, yeah, that's basically borderline hentai. Maybe we will oh. skip that one. But no, they're oh, that, like, that, no, no, let's uh, let's go in on this. Now, this is just from what I've heard. I think I might know the reason why, right? It's okay. because, basically, it's, it's the low-hanging fruit sort of scenario, right? Funimation, surprisingly, despite its, you know, their showboating and stuff about being the moral, responsible anime dubbing company, they do actually take a surprising amount of harem, etchy sort of, like, just a lot of etchy shows. 
And it's, it's, it is the standard principle of, like, you know, we could go for something that might be mainstream popular, or we could go for something that the, ota- the hardcore attackers are going to like and guarantee some sales, right? So their principle is that we're just going to go... And it, to be honest, they're probably cheaper to license as well to get some of the... um. The more just mainstream, just you know, some of the less mainstream, trashy sort of harem shows, right? So that they they go for those, but the so when they saw Interspecies Reviewer, they probably thought this is you know par for the course. This is something we can handle. They just I think they underestimated how extreme Interspecies Reviewers was going to go with its premise, and that just turned out to be their downfall. I think that's just a theory, an animation theory, but you know, maybe maybe it's not true, but. That's just from what I've heard, is that's typically their MO when it comes to anime. Alright. Yeah, I don't know. Well. I guess I'll add on that. Uh, speaking of... Um, oh, trying to segue. Hmm, Go for it. How to, how to, looking <laughs> at like the, the path here on my segue. <laughs> uh, speaking of... Take your time. Um animation making sales yeah okay sales yes you know what sold well (laughs) what sold well please tell me made it abyss the film garnered 122 million yen in opening weekend which translates to about 50 dollars i'm just joking but yes um it Ta- Tamish- uh, made in the best the movie Fukaki Tamashi no Reime has uh, got a decent degree of success with 65,693 tickets sold um, and also the survey showed from its fans that they were very pleased with the movie so it's also gotten a good amount of feedback now nice. this is also in this is despite the fact that it was only shown it's been shown on uh, January 17th this year and only across 50 cinemas in Japan, which is surprisingly low, honestly. I'm, I thought it would be, you know, showcased in a lot more places. But despite that, it still managed to do fairly well. It, um, it's um, managed to beat out High School Fleet, the movie, and was able to... Um, it achieved the highest rating of satisfaction for a film released that week, with uh, 92.6% from respondents on the smartphone app Pia Survey. Um, so they also they approved of the film, those people. Um, it's also good on in terms of made in the best news in general that uh, this is following an announcement that season two is confirmed, though I don't think there's a current release date for it, but there is going to be a season two on the way following that. Internationally, we can expect to be seeing this film in the first half of 2020. There are no release dates currently for it being English subtitled. However, there will be a French version that will be shown in Paris in February 22nd, so look forward to that. The French apparently get it first, in terms of being in the West, so oh. good for them, I suppose. <laughs> yes, they're, they're, they are first. But, um, yes. Uh, that does it for that, I think, honestly. I'm sure, I, I know at least one of our listeners who's a big Made in the Best fan will be very, very satisfied with that, so. He probably has already watched it, honestly. So, there you go. Alrighty. So, um, yeah, your your story. I I don't know. I can't segue. I thought I almost thought I lost you there because it was just. <laughs> yeah, just... I, I I can't segue. On to you then. <laughs> okay. Well then, uh, Higurashi. 
I'm sure many people have uh, heard of the series, the When They Cry uh, series. Uh, if not uh, Higurashi, then perhaps maybe Umineko no Nakuroni, mm-hmm. which uh, is, uh, you know, one of my characters I personally um, pers- I like personifying as, Batara. But in Higurashi, it's the precursor to all this whole psychological drama. And uh, a new anime has been announced uh, in the Higurashi series. And not only that, but uh, cast members who uh, re- who played uh, Kenichi and uh, Mai, or played uh, Reina from the uh, original series, will be reprising their roles. So get hyped. That's basically, basically no. all I've got to say on that matter. I mean, right now there's no real details on what the new uh, uh, new anime is going to revolve around or any other details. Really, it just basically states that there is another one coming, and that at least two of the cast members will be returning to take up the mantles that they have already built. So, for all you know, it could be a remake, even just with the modern art style. Could be a remake, could be a sequel, could be a prequel. We never know. Mm-hmm. Especially with Either the... Either way, you'd uh, be pretty happy to... What would you prefer, though? Um, I'd like to see maybe a sequel. Uh, oh, yeah? yeah? I don't know how they'd do it. Just because the way Higurashi goes, it kind of like can time leap as well. Just because the series doesn't necessarily revolve around the same cast as much as it does revolve around a certain priestess in the series and her her timelines are how this anime proceeds uh-huh. so she kind of gets reincarnated over and over and over again and kind of like relives it almost like a groundhog day scenario um uh-huh to the point that it's just, I don't know how they would proceed again, since Umineko kind of picked it up and made sure that her character had a way to continue. So I wonder how, I wonder what they all do, what they're gonna do. Hmm. Yeah, the options are, you know, the possibilities are limitless. Are many, especially, especially if there is a, if there's more light novel material they could be delving into. I think it's based on, no, not light novel. Isn't it based on a visual novel? Yes, O seven. So there's probably, there's probably uh, a lot more. O seventh yeah. expansion. Right. Did the uh, so, original work behind it. So there's a lot of material they could still work from. Anyways, I'm assuming it didn't all get covered by the anime already. I'm not entirely certain. But I know there were like a lot of ONAs and OVAs that came out afterwards, so maybe, but we'll see. Maybe. Okay. Fair enough. Huh? Very cool. Well, so look forward to that. A lot to look forward to then. Yeah, speaking of things to not look forward to. Hey. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just really remembered what this was. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's a really good segue. Um, Ichiro Oda who's the mangaka behind the world's fam- most famous, popular manga ever. You might have heard of it. It's called One Piece. Um, has uh, further, I suppose, announced on Twitter. I mean, people already knew it was coming, but, you know, it was first announced in 2017. But he's further confirmed that it, 
the One Piece live action adaptation for Netflix is now, yep, it's it's now progressing. It's a go. Don't know when it's actually going to come out, but we've got a little bit more information on it. So he stated that um, I suppose that he's going to be somewhat involved. I don't know the level of involvement that Oda's going to have with this. And that Netflix will lend their production support. I don't actually know what that entirely entails. Maybe they're just, I don't know. Um, but other details include that it is going to be um, 10 episodes long. It's fairly short for an anime that's over 600 episodes long. Um, and the cast members are yet to be announced. We, you know, There's really not much else to go on at the moment besides just it's coming. Um, and I'm honestly kind of concerned on how this is I'm I'm interested but fearfully fearfully uh, interested on in where this is gonna go because you know out of anime like you know there's so many anime out there that I'm like oh you could easily make a live action version of One Piece is probably in the bottom segment hmm. of what I think would be easy I can't to wait for the especially. CGI boats <laughs> there's the boats there's the stretching arms and the abilities that look really strange oh, the character god. designs oh my gosh it's very kooky and weird as a show in general even for anime standards one piece is a bit strange at times so i don't know how they're going to manage to adapt this uh, i'm sure if there's a studio that has the budget ish netflix probably has at least the um resources but you know that's, that's going to be very strange. I don't know how it's going to translate. Because either you go the, the loyal route and try to make it accurate to the the manga and make it like alienating for mainstream audiences, or you try to make it more palatable, a la Death Note, Netflix adaptation, and then suddenly the fans aren't going to be really in on it. So I don't know how they're going to please anybody, but I, I will be interested and I'll be watching with bated breath for its release and its subsequent trailer. But yeah, there we go. I guess it was uh, only a matter of time given it is the world's most uh, best-selling manga, so there you go. And there you go. That that does it. I think that does it for our stream of announcements, I suppose, in terms of news. Alright. And we are done with industry news. Excellent. Which brings Excellent. us to our previews. More previews. Yes. Yeah. In a world where laughter was king... Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Part two. Uh, yes, part two of uh, a couple more parts at least. And mm -hmm. I think I will get us started here with my preview of Nekopara. Now, uh, <laughs> Nekopara is a adaptation of an adult visual novel. However, it has significantly toned down the uh, adult nature of the anime, or at least of the series. Yep. So, Nekopara starts out, and uh, we are... We got uh, some uh, cat girls who are waking up in bed. Uh, Chocola uh, and Vanilla, or Chocolate and Vanilla, for all intents and purposes. Um mm -hmm. And they wake up, uh, Vanilla does the cat thing of, like, kneading her uh, sister's uh, chocolate stomach. And uh, then the, after groping her breasts, or implied groping of her breasts, they wake up. They have breakfast with their master, who is, uh, for all, he's, like, the most template character for a 
otaku to put, put himself into. Just like generic white Japanese with brown hair and brown eyes. Nothing that stands out about him. If he were in a high school anime, he would say, I'm just a normal high school student. And mm-hmm. he would be. Yeah. Uh, he has a flashback to basically that he left home to become a pastier. And uh, mm-hmm. he, while he was moving into his new place, his uh, cafe, uh, it turns out he got some boxes that were suspicious. And out of them pops two of the cat girls, which are from his home. Because apparently yep. his older sister has a... Uh, has a way of raising uh, Nikos. So, or younger she sister. She older his, than his, him? His younger yeah, yeah, sister. I was going to say. His yeah. younger sister can raise Nikos. So she's like a, a breeder, I guess. Um, right. And so he runs his pastier confectionery shop with these uh, cat girls. Um, he seems to be a pretty competent chef from all intents for all things. Like, uh, the cupcakes he makes look actually really good when he decorates them. Um, and uh, then we cut back to the little sister who uh, uh, has a bunch of other cats who still live with her. Um, she has, let's see here, she has Azuki, uh, which is, uh, she's like the... Hmm, She's like the studious cat. She's the one that's like takes care of people. Uh, you uh-huh. have Maple, uh, who's a bit more of an independent cat, maybe with like a little bit of Sundere to her as well. Yep. Um, then you have Cinnamon, who is, uh, she apparently has a bit of a dirty mind to her. Um, she also seems to have a thing for... Um, a thing for Maple, I believe, is uh, the one she has a thing for. Uh-huh. And then there's Coconut, or just Nuts, as they call her, who uh, is a bit more of, like, the busty one, and right. uh, kind of like the gal girl <laughs> of them. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And she has heterochromia. And they do cat things, you know, they get into cat fights where, like, they get down on all fours and they start hissing at each other and going, Uh hiss, hiss, Uh (laughs) and sticking their asses up in the air, even though they're wearing skirts or something like that, you know, and they're cat girls, so it just looks like they're DTF. Um, Right. They also do cat things like play with cat toys because they get excited about that stuff. Or like when they see a bug and they're like, huh, and they get fixated on it and they want to smack it with a cat paw as a human. Mm-hmm. And they also wear bells around their necks because apparently in this world, cat girls can't leave their master's side unless they have a bell around their neck. But to obtain a bell, it's a very difficult task. And even though all the cat girls in this cat family have bells, so they have all passed this exceedingly difficult task. Well, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, everyone's getting ready to wrap the shop up, which after a nice long day of selling confectionaries and 
saying to customers, um, chocolate goes out to get some sauce for some fish that a couple of the other cats brought to the master's house. And along her trip, she uh, sees a, a little cat girl sitting on a bench in a park, you know. And she uh, comes up to her and gives her some chocolate. The cat girl runs away immediately, um, lays the chocolate on the bench. It's like, you know, maybe I'll come back, she'll eat the chocolate. She goes off, grabs the sauce, comes back, sees the chocolate on the bench, picks it up, says, oh, no, she didn't eat any. But then she picks it up and is like, oh, she did take some. Continue moving on. She gets back to the cafe and she's like, I bought the sauce. And then she feels something bump into the back of her. She turns around just to see as the door of the cafe is closing that the little cat girl has followed her home. Dun, dun, dun. And that's where the first episode ends. So we don't get too much in the way of story. Uh, basically, it's just, you know, a blank slate master son has a bunch of cat girls mm-hmm. who work at his cafe slash confectionery shop. They work there as maids. Um, uh-huh. He's a really competent chef. All the girls are different. They sometimes fight with each other. They act like cats. They wear collars, necklaces. There's a lot of Yuri undertones. Um, uh huh. And there's a potentially homeless cat girl who's now going to be adopted. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, that uh, <laughs> that does it for the first episode. I'm not completely convinced because there are no harems this season. I wanted a harem, and okay. so far this anime has just been Yuri-ish. Which is hmm. not my kink. Uh, like, Vanilla has a thing for chocolate, her sister, where, like, they get, like, in groping and touching stuff. Um, maple has a thing, or no, Cinnamon has a thing for Maple. Like, at one point, she sees, like, one of the girls in the cafe feeding another girl, and she starts to fantasize about, like, wearing lingerie while ki- making out with Maple. Right. And then, of course, there's just, like, the fact that, like, in the cafe, the, like, all it was was women. All the women. There were no guys that entered this, like, Neko cafe, even though, like, guys would, should, would totally enter this cafe. If you had otakus, Probably. they'd be coming to this cafe nonstop. It was just a bunch of girls who were feeding each other stuff, like, taking a parfait and, like, dipping their spawn, spoon into it and feeding it to the girl. Ah, uh, oh, mm, so good. I don't know. I'm not a girl. So I don't know if girls just do this on their own and that it doesn't have to be Yuri <laughs> undertones to it. But if I was passing by a cafe, a kisaten, and I just saw one girl going, say, ah, and then fed it to the other girl, I'd be like, that's a little Yuri. And then I'd continue walking on. Mm. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they did seem a lot more interested in, in the main guy in the OVA I reviewed a while back. Yeah, like, it's... Yeah. None of the other girls, except for maybe Chocolate, has thus far shown any, like, I like Master kind of emotions. And even when it came to liking Master, all she's like, I want to play with a new cat toy with him. Tee-hee, meow-meow. So, uh-huh. uh, I'll give it the three-episode shot, but so far, I'm worried it's not... The hair. This isn't the harem I'm looking for, Obi Wan Kenobi. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. May need to try another establishment. So a, a tentative, maybe pass, maybe I'll continue watching it. It does have a little lollycat girl. Maybe if they like take care of her and it's like heartwarming, maybe. But then again, mm-hmm. I have something else that's potentially heartwarming as well, but also could be heartbreaking. So I might need this to as act as a ah. band-aid at some point. Yeah, to kind of pa- cleanse the palate a bit. <laughs> maybe. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Take, it, okay. take it as you will. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure people know what to expect, and, you know, if this is their thing, they probably already know, and I've probably already watched it, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, absolutely. There you go, Nekopara. No. Alright, <laughs> moving on, then. Um, I present to you the survival show. Uh, today's theme, I suppose, would be, like, Primeria, um put in a... um top most watched anime from this winter 2020 season that's going on and so i decided to check out ones that weren't sequels so this one's the ones i'm doing is number one and number three of what's currently being watched and number one at the the moment is actually one of the ones that i think yotaru vegeta mentioned which was darwin's game uh it's a survival show so it's going to be apparently only 11 episodes long um actually i remember first being exposed to this because manga pulse actually covered it but let's just get into the very beginning so we can understand what's going on. So it begins with some sort of, I guess, shots you're not really supposed to understand at the very beginning of some guy letting a dove into the air, and then there's a flock of butterflies. Butterflies seem to be, like, a theme in this show. Like, when characters join the Darwin's game, or also subsequently die in the Darwin's game, you see a butterfly. So, I have no idea what it means. Maybe it's poetic. No idea. So, creditless intro, you see a desperate high school guy running from an invisible assailant, and he's like, in, in the middle of this, he's like, oh, I need to call for help. Oh, man, who am I going to call? Oh, I, I don't have anybody. Oh, but the only person he could think of is when he's scrolling through his contacts, he comes across Pseudo Kanami, who's going to be our protagonist. Spoiler alert. Um, and so he invites him, you know, just sporadically. But he eventually gets cornered running away from this invisible sort of uh, attacker who turns out to be this guy in a panda costume, like a panda, like, baseball mascot outfit. Um... Despite the high school guy being able to shoot knives like through the air from a craft knife, um, it seems to not affect him as like the opponent can go invisible and dodges them all. And unfortunately, he gets taken out a blade to the neck and just a big blood spray happens. Like I said, he, saw the, he sees the butterfly and then he just dies. So there's that. We then cut to, I presume is the next day, where our main character, Kanami Sudo, who's obviously voiced by Soma from Shokugeki no Soma, or Kirito, for those who are SEO fans in the house, um, he's shown uh, looking for his phone when suddenly another classmate friend comes in and shows him like this urban sort of myth that's going on now, or legend I suppose, of these pixelated body silhouettes that are now suddenly showing up throughout the town. Uh, so it's like weird sprite looking things that are just indented and he remarks that it's a bit too creepy to be just simple graffiti then another classmate guy walks in and he's all distressed and he's asking for Hamada but then he turns out to be absent so and we can put two and two together and piece together that Hamada is the guy we saw die in the pre the, the prologue to this but Karami does look to his phone and says oh but he did send me a, a link to a free to play game last night and before he gets stopped by um, the distressed classmate guy he clicks download, and then he hallucinates a giant snake coming out of the phone. Well, she's not a giant snake, a regular snake. 
still just as bad, coming out of his phone, which proceeds to bite him in the neck. And you know what they say about the snakes? They're mistakes. So, he then sees a symbolic butterfly, then he collapses, and then it's noticed on the phone that Hamada is already dead, and that his game is going to start in one hour's time. He wakes up, uh, oh no, before that, we cut to a blonde-haired, uh, twin-tailed girl, yay, twin-tailed day, because it's the 2nd of February, um, who's alerted about Kaname as a new player, and she remarks that his avatar is cute, and wishes to, uh, wishes him the best of luck in surviving. Back in the infirmary, Kaname now seems to have this weird marking on his neck, and then feels awful for some reason, so he wants to go home. He drops a pen, and the, this is our first inf- indication that he has a, he's now got superpowers, because... As he tries to reach under the cabinet, a weird effect happens with his hand and he's suddenly able to pull out the pen, which later we're shown is actually a copy of the pen that's already, that he drops on the ground elsewhere. Um, distressed guy meets him outside the infirmary and um, says that, you know, tells him to go straight home and that he'll explain more about the game later on and just to keep to himself. However, um, on the train home, Kaname gets an alert on his phone that he's entered into a battle against the panda mascot from the start of the show called Banda, who comes at him all stabby-stabby with a knife. Not very pleasant. Now uh, begins a desperate chase as Kaname is uh, running through the streets by a slasher. And nobody seems to really notice or pay attention. He does alert a police officer, but that police officer then gets like his, his neck cut, so it's not going to be much help. Still, just before he's about to get killed, the panicked classmate guy from earlier comes in and shoots the panda with a crossbow. But before he can actually do some real damage to the panda, the panda does manage to stab him with a knife. And, uh, you know, they both injure each other, and so this leaves um, Kaname just dragging classmate guy away to try and find a place to hide in the aftermath of all. He chooses, like, a car park building, and during this it explains that, basically, while you're playing the game, you have no access to emergency services, no one's going to come and help you, basically. Um... And unfortunately, you're going to have to basically play to the end. There's there's no quitting midway through. So unfortunately, <clears throat> the mascot guy is still fine and still searching for them on the prowl. Um, it's also explained that your phone's not able to contact any external thing besides the app during the game. But, you know, main guy tries to be all heroic and tries to distract Banda away from um, classmate guy who's now sitting in the corner saying that, you know, that he believes that uh, Kaname has some of the strongest aura he's ever seen because that's his ability. Um, Kaname tries to deduce a way to beat somebody who can turn invisible and he actually does manage to get him in the toilet and gets a fire extinguisher on him and sprays him with it which would allow him to see him of course. <clears throat> in the struggle of it um, however uh, Banda still manages to get the upper hand and grabs the knife and before it looks like it's about he's about to you know get killed for realsies this time it is a car park so a car comes in and actually kills Banda by running him over and that turns out to be the end of the game so Kaname is announced the winner the winner uh, the blonde hair twin tail girl is impressed with the result and Banda is just pixelated out of existence creating like a marking on the floor where he was which I guess kind of you know confirms that's what happens when you die in this game you get teleported away chunks by chunks Chunk by cubic chunks until like you leave a mark on the floor. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, he then gets an alert at home. Oh, by the way, before he goes to try and check up on classmate guy, turns out classmate guy is also being pixelated away. So it turns out he didn't manage to outlive his wounds of bleeding out. So 
there's that too. So his friend's now dead. So he's now all alone in this. Um, he then, you know, gets like some alerts on his phone, like, yeah, you've leveled up, you got items and shit. And like a gun appears on the phone and then suddenly a package comes through the door and he's been given a gun. So there you go. Apparently, as you play the game, you get rewarded with items, including weapons like guns. Uh, we then cut to a Yakuza scene of some, like, gangsters being taken out by a snaky-looking person who's slicing up with what appears to be his special ability, which they call Sigils in this show. He's also a cannibal, apparently, and likely a future villain. So, that's all we see of him for this episode. But we go back to the Twin Tails blonde-haired girl who observes a similar occurrence of pixelated remains all over the place. Somebody apparently killed 11 people. But then she looks to her phone gleefully as she has invited Kanemi to meet her at a warehouse. Um, so Kanemi goes there, cycling late at night, and he, he meets her there. But, you know, before she will explain what the whole game is about, she wants to know if he's not a threat or not. Unfortunately, he does. He literally knows nothing and can't even explain his ability because his ability is listed in the app as error or whatever, so he doesn't even know what his special ability is, which is an odd occurrence for the game. Because apparently being able to use your, your sigil is supposed to be as natural as breathing. Um, so unsatisfied with all this, you know, she decides like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to kill you after all. So then she decides to try to attack him. He flashbangs her with like a big a bright flashlight uh, and tries to run away. But she locks down the warehouse and so and starts attacking him with these chains. Like she is able to control these chains with blades at the end of them. And that's her special ability. Kaname remarks that they move like snakes. And you know what I said about snakes earlier on. <laughs> he suddenly is he suddenly is able to form a gun in his hand in desperation, but he does miss. The ultimate distraction technique does come in the form of him attaching the um, gun to a string because he starts to figure out his ability piece by piece. And that he somehow is able to form items. Uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more on it later. But basically, he's able to form some you know materials that he needs. Like, he thought he needs the gun, so he gets the gun. He initially left it at home, you see. But anyways, he wires the gun up and manages to use that as a diversion to shoot out the lights. And then he manages to land the stun gun on the girl's chains and then forces her to the ground. He then forms a gun back in his hand and then threatens to, you know, threatens her to end the game now, still unwilling to actually kill her. No. She then takes the phone out. She's impressed because she's like, wow, he really doesn't know anything about this game and that, you know, there is no, like, you know, not killing a person, but, you know, she gains a certain level of respect for him because he's so strong. So then she takes her phone out and pledges to obey Kaname from here on out. Some of her points then go to him and he collapses on top of her chest, unconscious. Nice. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and she, you know, she, she lifts him up and she smiles and then we go to, like, a lolly character at a computer who's analysing Kaname's performance that it's very, it's very rare, like, 10% chance that a rookie's able to survive their first match, let alone take out that girl who turns out to be, like, apparently she's known as, like, the, like, the, the undefeated queen or something. I can't remember of her course. title exactly. But she's never been beaten before, and he managed to actually beat her as well. So that's 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 pretty unprecedented. His ability isn't necessarily to teleport things towards him, but he seems to have some weird ability to manifest items. So that that's just the indication we get of his abilities, and that he has the potential to also become an A-ranked member of the game mm. or something. So there's that. So people are watching at him. But anyway, back to Kanami. He later wakes up in a luxurious-looking room on a luxurious-looking bed. To find himself shirtless, but more alarmingly, the blonde chains girl is now lying naked on top of him. 
Nice. Uh, <laughs> again. Uh, she then regains consciousness and then asks him a favor to start a family with him. And then roll credits. So, there we go. That's uh, That was Darwin's game. It was a fairly long first episode because the first episode is like 47 minutes long. So it's like a double bill they give you to begin with. And there's a lot in there to kind of take in. So, of course, that's kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that was it. It's a survival show. It's by, uh, Studio, um, Studio Nexus, who honestly haven't made many shows like this before. They're pretty inexperienced, honestly. They've made Wakaba Girls, the Moe show, Grand Bell, which was the Moe show with Mechas, and Rakudai Kishino Cavalry, or Chivalry of a Fail Knight, which is like a harem show? Harem, harem action show? I guess. So this is very outside of their comfort zone, I suppose. Honestly, I was entertained enough by this. It's not like it's not like S-class, oh man, this is some fine-ass, well-written anime. But as a survival show, it's entertaining, I suppose, and engaging enough. Um, you know? Um, it's not stupidly written, it's just very simple and easy to follow, I guess. And, uh, the action is okay, and I kind of like the the use of the main character's ability and how it's how flexible it is when it's uh, when he has to use it in a fight. So there we go. It's well animated enough too. So I will probably keep on keep on watching it. It's an easy watch, I suppose. And you know, I'm oftentimes starved for a good survival esque battle royale style show anyway. So it's certainly better than something like Batum or something like that. So <laughs> I'll, I'm a I'm a I'm a keep on going with this one. Um, yeah. Recommend if this sounds like it's up your alley, you probably won't be disappointed. If so, it's like, you know, you can make that decision after the 47 minutes, which is still less than three episodes worth of time. So, yeah. Give it a look if it sounds good to you. But Batum's bad guys were so obvious because rape. Oh my god, yeah. Every. (laughs) That that was like, I forgot that. That's like the least of that show's problem. Oh my gosh. That show. Oh my god. Everybody wants to with that blonde-haired girl in the tomb. Oh my god! Or the or the father abusing the kid and then getting a large chunk of him blown out because he had black hole grenades apparently. Yeah, um, such a silly show. I can't say I wasn't entirely un- not entertained by that one, but <laughs> it was so silly. My grenades I'm surprised can people still fly. Were- <laughs> Some people really got the short straw when it came to some of those bombs, too. Yeah. yeah. Some bombs were shit. Some were really overpowered. Ah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that, that does it for Darwin's game, you know? Don't know if that would interest you, Joseph. Do you, did I win you over at all with that, or do you think you... Uh, I'm... I'm I'm not really ever a fan of, like, Battle Royale-esque no. game, animes anyways. Uh-huh. I didn't, like... I didn't get into Danganronpa... I didn't, uh, I don't even really like Battle Royale just because it was very rapey and very much like betrayal and, and frustratingly convoluted allegiances where it's like, ha ha, I was actually working for the bad guy this whole time, but wait, I'm actually working for you, betrayed, pretending, pretending, pretending to (laughs) uh, work for the bad guy. While in the in the end, I actually like you. Oh no, I'm being killed by the bad guy because I betrayed him because I actually work for you. Uh, who could see that coming? Oh uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you mean. But uh, yeah, 
Fair enough. It's a it's it's a very quiet taste, I suppose, for some. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. All right. I'll uh I believe that brings it to my next preview here for uh Somali and the Forest Spirit. So uh okay. anime for this one opens up and we follow this golem, whose name is Golem. Wandering through a forest, talking to the uh, forest animals, watching them, basically going on a monologue of how he has to watch over this forest for a thousand years, and that's his role as Golem. And uh, this cat creature goes, meow, meow, and he follows it to a human that he finds, and uh, the human calls him dad, and he's like, it called me dad. Cut to them going on an adventure. Which is rather sudden, but okay. Well, they're going on an adventure, and the human girl guy, I'm guessing it's a girl, um, mm-hmm. is now wearing a hood and a hooded robe thing that makes it look like a minotaur to child. And our golem characters also all decked out in like travel gear, which is like, oh, well, where'd you have that? Because you were walking through the forest earlier completely naked, then, dude. Well, they uh, go wandering about. It's very obvious that this child, whose name is Somali, um, has zero sense of danger. This kid is just chasing after, like, oh, a cat. Oh, a bird. Oh, a bug. And then goes wandering off, and our golem is just like, "Uh, here we go again. And goes following after the kid to pick it up and be like, listen, you. Don't wander away from me. And then the kid's like, I'll not wander away from you all the time. Ha ha. (laughs) Well, they get to the first town where it's very much monster heavy. In fact, there are no other humans so far. Well, that's because most of the humans are dead. See, we get some backstory. They go to a tavern. They... The monster's like, hey, what happened to the humans again? Because the golem's like, we're looking for humans. And we get this whole story how monsters and humans used to live in different worlds. Then a human went to the monster world. And then they knew of each other. And then the humans were like, why do you all look so different? We're racist. We're going to kill you now. And then the humans went to war against them. But they were weak. So all the monsters killed them and ate them. The end. Wow. Wow. But then some humans escaped. And they were someplace. Because apparently... Like, some of the monsters like, ah, yes, I remember hunting human band parties left over from the Great War. Mm, they tasted so good. I miss humans. Oh, dear. They were good to keep as pets. And food. Well, uh, we continue our journey through this major city. <clears throat> and our Somali character, she, he is, I think it's a she. I'm going to give it a she. <clears throat> Uh, she's okay. wandering around looking at the different things like, ooh, ah, until eventually we get to a place where the golem's trying to make some money. So like he turns in some rocks and crystals for some cash, argues with the, uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> the salesman for a bit. And then like his, his face opens up and like this green eye appears and it starts analyzing like the goods inside the store and it's like, this is fake. This is a. This is a. This is a fake. This is also. Um, this is fake. Uh, oh, you wouldn't want this getting out, would you? You're gonna pay me the full price for my stuff, huh? 
and so he pays the golem the full price for his crystals. Meanwhile, Somali has uh, run off chasing after a cat, who uh, turns out to be a demon. Uh, but uh, you know, he starts petting the cat, or she starts petting the cat, and and making the cat purr, and then. The cat's like, mm-hmm. you know, it turns it's it turns out first it'd like be like a nice demon. It's like I would feel bad if like you actually got lost. <clears throat> but then like it's like, yeah, you know, there's something familiar about the way you smell. You smell delicious. Good boy. And right at that moment, our golem dad jumps down from the top of a tower and picks up Smollier and scares the cat creature away opening its eye and uh and then uh you know the sommelier character's like oh daddy i was so happy you came and found me haha and uh wanders off with the golem grabs is able to grab onto his finger because he's like hmm we need a way to make sure that you don't keep wandering off here grab my hand and so because as a kid it just grabs this golem's giant ass hand with which is a, just a single finger, mm-hmm. and they go continue their journey to go find humans, and that is the end of the first episode. Right. So, what did I think about? Well, the animation's pretty good. Like it's very fantasy heavy. Backgrounds yeah. are very. They feel almost like watercolor esque at some moments, but. <laughs> For the most part, they have a very abstract feel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing feels like it's brushed paint um, mm. to it, like the characters a bit, yeah. especially when they're in the forest. Um, there are no other humans so far. Our Somalia character, uh, she is the only human, because um, mm-hmm. as it turns out, all the humans lost with their wizardry and their magic and their magical weapons they lost against the monsters pretty hardcore because in the monster's tale the humans were very weak even though they were very prejudiced so they maybe shouldn't have started the war As whether we, or not, we just yeah, suck whether or not that's actually true i don't know i'm guessing there's more to it than just the humans lost because they were weak mm. that could just be the story the monsters tell themselves I'm also guessing the golems are something special as well, because when it's revealed that he's a golem at the tavern, they're like, oh, you're really rare. You guys usually only ever hang out in your forests. What are you doing outside of one? And also, right. like, the like the one shopkeeper got, like, really freaked out when the golem opened its eye, so it's, like, maybe not something that most people see. <clears throat> and also, there was one moment when the... Uh, kid gets or convinces a golem to rent an inn for the night so they sleep there the golem like looks at his arm which is like cracking and falling apart so potential maybe this golem's not going to be long for this world or maybe Mm. he's like suffering from a disease not entirely certain but whatever the case is they're on the search for humans whether or not they'll find them who knows but it's so far the op has you very much in like a Oh, this is going to go badly. Someone's going yeah. to die. Because it just is a sad, calming music that's just like, it's okay. <coughs> Life ends. And it's yeah. just like, 
what the fuck am I watching? I just wanted to watch something heartwarming. And this is, makes me mm -hmm. feel like someone's going to die. Yeah. My prediction is that basically she's going to eventually find a tribe of humans and the golem is going to leave or, or like slowly die and finally die at that point. And it's at that moment that the, the golem is able to, for the first time ever, process something close to an emotion, but it's not able to express it the same way that happens in Terminator 2. And then it's Maybe. ending and then he dies. Yeah. It could be. Uh, I, it's not too much of a spoiler, but like the previews for the anime had like uh -huh. the big part of them was like, so how much longer do you have to live? And the golem said something like 1,769 days and 23 hours. And it's like, oh, okay. oh, okay. So there's definitely like a time limit for this golem. Like he doesn't have right. long to live. Yeah, he's got just over three years. Yeah, maybe even less than that. I don't remember exactly what his uh, number was that he said. But, you know, judging mm -hmm. by how he was looking at his arm falling apart and cracking and just uh, how, like, golems usually just hang out in the forest and, like, one of his beginning speeches was like, I will stay in this forest until I'm dead and then I will return to the forest. Mm hmm Was very much like, oh, well, maybe I'm, this is my guess. Here's my hypothesis. Oh, Golems guess, were yeah. created during the Great War <clears throat> to either A, fight humans, or B, they were created by the humans to fight monsters, but ended up turning against the humans. Right. Maybe. So I'm guessing hmm. it's one of those two things, and that they have a definite lifespan because they are magical constructs, and so their magic eventually runs out. <coughs> mm -hmm. That's possible. Yeah, magical mechas with a yeah. temporary shelf life. So yep. that is my hypothesis behind this anime. Whether mm. or not it will turn out to be true, I don't know. The preview for the next episode shows that they're going to an Oni's house, which is never good for humans. But not um, usually, no. Especially since like Onis can generally smell um, humans. So I don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen, but it. If there's any indication, that OP makes it sound like someone's going to die. And it's going to be sad. Oh, yeah. Be ready for some tears. You're going to keep on watching it, though, yeah? Yeah, I'll keep watching this one. I'm... It's kind of like a reverse of, like... Of the demon kid one, where the human adopts the demon child. Yeah. And, like, the demons are kind of... Pr are being, you know, ostracized against. But in this one, it's like... They skipped all of, like the whole like bonding to where it's just like oh she called me dad I'm her dad now we're going on a journey for humans. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess that works, huh? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay then. I'll be moving on. Yes, moving on with our final, final previews, previews for today. Um, no segue for this one because I I don't got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you would either with this with this topic. This one is uh, this one's called uh, Izoken Niwa Tewo Dasna. Probably pronounced that terribly, or also known as Keep Your Hands Off Izoken or Hands Off the Motion Pictures Club. So this one's uh, sparked a bit of interest as of late with a lot of gifts and. Fairly positive reaction. It's also one of the 
most engaged shows of the season. So it starts off with um, our main girl Midori uh, moving on into a new kind of flat with her family. And she's interested at that age at being an adventurer. She's quite like young elementary school-ish age. And we see her just traveling around the area, like, you know, just walking and wandering around the flat complex and just the surroundings. And she draws everything she sees. And we also see, like, even from this point in time, she was very creative with her drawings and started imagining and animating these sort of scenarios of her, like, traveling through all these complex systems in her area. And so she was, you know, has a bit of that kind of creative spark to her. But then things really ignite when one evening she ends up watching... I think it was something called Conan the Adventurer. I know it's based off an existing um, old 80s anime. Was it maybe a 70s anime? Uh, it has a kind of Ghibli-esque style to it. It might not be a Ghibli, though. I've seen the DVD somewhere. But yeah, she ends up watching that one evening. And that sparks her interest in becoming an anime artist. Cue a trippy-ass opening. And we have Midori now in what I presume is the first year of high school now where she spends the bulk of her time, she's very introverted, doesn't want to be around crowds, she spends her time at the top, on the roof, not top floor, the roof of the school building, where she has binoculars, and starts observing the surroundings and starts drawing them. We can see by this point that her um, artistic skills have really improved to the point where she's producing some quite decent quality concept art. Um, she has her tall friend with like that permanent grimace on her face and the glasses on her head come in to bring her some food, but she's very business-minded, and she's like, you know, what happened to the change for the food you brought? And she's like, well, that was the service charge. So she's she's the one that's all about money and about transactions, and she's the, the very business-minded one. Um, she somehow gets... Ma- um, Midori still somehow manages to... Um, sorry, the tall friend is called... The business-minded one is called Sayaka. Midori manages to convince Sayaka to come with her to the anime club because she doesn't want to go there alone because, again, she's socially awkward. Um, and the two go to the club and hide at the very back, um, during which Midori starts to go into excruciating detail about what works and what, you know, why anime is effective. She's clearly a hardcore fan uh, of the medium. Then they run into the third uh, member of their eventual trio, uh, Tsubami, or more likely she runs into them. She turns out to be a celebrity, basically, and she's being... Uh, pursued by these security guys, but you know she's united with them in the fact that she also really likes anime. So turns out she's a celebrity um, and business girl. Uh, Sayaka smells a uh, money opportunity. Midori smells adventure. So they go to rescue her backstage, where um, they have a wacky chase scene where they carry her away from one of the guys pursuing her, which are sent by her very overprotective parents because they want her to have nothing to do with anime and to just you know eventually become like a movie star. Uh, they have a wacky chase scene and they manage to actually get rid of the guy chasing them through a um, a, a trap built into the stage. Um, but, you know, in the midst of all this, um, what's his name? Sub- was it Subami? Yeah. Subami's um, shirt gets, uh, what is it? Milk. Strawberry milkshake, basically. So they have to go take it somewhere to get it, um, take it to a laundrette to get it cleaned out. And while they do this, um, and they're waiting for the clothes to get cleaned, they start uh, talking about anime, and the, you know that's where the spark sort of begins. There, um, Tsubami shows her sketchbook, which is filled with very high quality like figure artwork. She wants to be like a character animator, and likewise, she's impressed with Midori's collection of concept artwork. 
So, you know, business girl, a psycho smelling uh, opportunity, tries to urge them to work together to produce an anime. And even though the two of them are hesitant about it, she's like, well, you know, she manages to give a big speech about how, you know, while they're young, the margin for failure, fail, you know, the result of failure isn't even that big. And if they can't join the anime club, they should make their own club and such. And, you know, that sort of gets the ball rolling. The two of them start um, overlaying their work together, which, you know, fits nice and clean. And this is actually um, causes them to hallucinate about the artwork that they're producing. So we get kind of like a, I suppose, kind of a dreamish sequence of them, you know, building out this vehicle that um, Midori designed in the world. And, um, you know, they start piloting the vehicle together and they go into a big dogfight chase scene where they're chased by these other, this other flying vehicle. And it's, it's quite, it's quite, um... It's charming in its own right. They manage to get away and they see a large spectacle of shooting stars and, you know, Midori remarks that this is the greatest world. Um, they both come... They both eventually snap back into reality about how they, they must have seen something pretty... They, they both seem to have collectively hallucinated this. Um, but, you know, uh, Tsubami then remarks that she needs to be home quickly because it's been pretty... It's already gotten quite late. She wants to go watch a, an anime as it's coming out. And so they all race off together, unwittingly leaving the laundry that they, you know, started cleaning behind. So, there you go. And that sort of ends off the episode there. Um, you know, while I went and sort of described the, the bulk of the plot, a lot of the, I suppose, the enjoyment of the show comes in the details and the events that happen in between. Because there's a lot of, like, you know, the presentation of the show is very unique. It's actually made, I think, similar to... Um, uh, Science Saru, the studio behind this other work, through like unconventional uh, digital techniques. I think they're the same people. Yes, they are. They're the ones that made Night Shirt Walk On Girl and uh, Lou Over the Wall. So they're they're people. There's a studio that experimented with making anime entirely using Flash, and over the years they've managed to get better and better with the technique of that, to the point where nowadays it kind of looks very just like it kind of looks like normal anime, but just it has this weird sort of. Uh, extra touch to it. I can't, it's really hard to describe, but it's very appealing to look at, um, and there's a very good distinct visual difference from when we go from their world to the hallucination sort of, like, world they're in with the... That has a very watercolor-esque sort of aesthetic to it, to the pencil-drawn backgrounds and such. Um, it's a very well-presented show, as I'd say. It's very unique and very creative, which really, remo- you know, reflects the kind of show this is about. It's about, you know, creativity and such. Don't expect something that's like super grounded in terms of being like a, a real true to form show about animation, like something like Shirabako was. But at the same time, it, you know, it seems very passionate about it and it's very unique and quirky, you know, something a bit more charming and whimsical. Um, the world that they inhabit, the setting is very, you know, even when they're not in the hallucination, the world itself looks very nice and concept art ish. It's almost as if the main girl actually drew it herself as well. Um, yeah, and so it just seems to be about this trio. You know, you've got this main concept artist girl, you've got the one that does the character art, and you've got the business mind who's going to probably bring it all together, kind of like a manager. And yeah, they're probably going to produce an anime. And that's pretty much the concept of the show. Um, in a nutshell, I thought it was really good. You know, it's funny. Um, funny enough, I mean. It's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's, you know, it'll make you smile if, you, if you're not... Uh, if you're not completely soulless like me just yet. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, pretty much, you know, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. If it sounds good to you, definitely go check it out. I'm going to 
keep on watching it because it's definitely one of the more unique shows. I've now finished watching pretty much everything I plan to watch this season already and um, hmm. by this point. And this one definitely stands out as one of the more unique ones. So if you want something just a little different, then maybe give this one a go. So that's uh, Keep Your Hands Off Azelkin. There you go. It gets my seal of approval for now. Alright. Well then, I do believe <coughs> that brings us to the end of today's episode. What an episode it has been. Alright. Uh, yes, it has. Oh. It's been a nice lengthy Oops. comeback one. Uh, wait, did you just disappear? Oh, you're back. Yep, sorry about that. I uh, meant to click <coughs> on something I ended up clicking on Discord. Because I need to see admin chat so I can see what the uh, current Patreon people are. <clears throat> so, ah, okay. uh, let's see here. Uh, the people we have to thank here, people who are supporting us on our Patreons. We got Algazero, mm-hmm. Shuji, Seraph Man, Phantom, Tag. Uh, of course, we have Mal, who is... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, supporting us at least if not anywhere else he's supporting us via boosting our uh-huh. uh, discord and uh, rampant AI and shield bro the patreon if you want to find it the easiest um, way to actually find it is probably just to go to patreon and search anime pulse but if you also want to find it you can just click there where our co-host Andrew Chan has posted a link to the di- to the Patreons. Um, I'm on it. It is all owned and operated by Will Tall and Tim, so I have zero influence on what goes up on there or what kind of content they've released, so, you know, that, uh, that is, uh, that is it. In any case, yeah. I thank anyways, everyone thanks for, for listening in live anyways. Yes, for tuning in, sticking around. Everyone, of course, in chat. Black Magic, Mariner Bert, uh, Primaria, Rampant AI, Shield Bro, Sigwin, and um, McNeary84. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to us rant about the latest season of anime. And until next time, keep watching, keep listening. And keep the anime love strong. <laughs>